you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Welcome back, my friends. Today, we're continuing on with the series of emotionally immature parents. In the first episode in the series, which was the last episode, we talked about being raised by emotionally immature parents. What kind of trauma that looked like when you were a child. I talked about how we can recognize it and also admitting that if we were raised by emotionally immature parents, we also have picked up those patterns as well. And this is something that we have to acknowledge, we have to admit and accept in order for this next step, which is all about healing and empowering ourselves to make a change. So I hope you sat with that. I hope you just let it just resonate and be able to acknowledge that, yes, I did experience a trauma and now I'm ready to healed from it. So this is what this episode is all about. I read this quote by my friend, Suzanne Tucker, who is the founder of Generation Mindful. And she says, many of us are parenting differently than we were parented. This is not a negative reflection on our parents. It's a sign of evolution. And this is the primary focus that I want to help you get out of this entire series is that don't make the mistake that I did. For many, many years, I was hoping and trying to force my parents to change. I was waiting for my parents to apologize, to acknowledge their faults, and I felt so angry and victimized and upset, and it pained me when I didn't get the apology that I felt like I needed. And I thought that that was the step that I needed in order to heal my journey. And here's what I learned, and I want to save you the heartache before you start your healing journey, is that many times emotionally immature parents, they may still be like that now. And many of us want that apology in order to fix the relationship, but the reality is they may not be able to be that emotionally safe parent that we wish. And there is a real grief and loss that we have to move through, just like a grief of a death of a loved one, to be able to really grieve that, that it sucks, that they are not going to be able to show up in the way that you needed or the way that you need now. And many of them are not in a space of self-reflection. Change and acknowledgement and repairing a relationship and apologizing can only happen when there's self-reflection. And many of them don't have that. And I can say that from my own personal experience, you know, trying to get my mom to apologize and she really just doesn't get it. And, you know, my dad's a little bit more emotionally aware than my mom. And I remember when I brought up some really dark things in my childhood that really affected me that he did. And this was very recently. He's like, you're making me feel guilty. And that to me was like, okay, they're just potentially not even emotionally there to be able to apologize and acknowledge it. So don't wait for it in order to give yourself permission to change and to heal. The reality, like I said, is that if you're raised by an emotionally immature parent that didn't know how to handle their emotions, that didn't know how to handle conflict, that didn't know how to communicate their needs, you also 
we're not taught this because this is not something that just comes naturally to us. And so this is being reflected in our relationship, in our marriage or with our partner or with our parenting. So if you are my cycle breakers, you have this deep calling that I want to break this generational pattern. I don't want to pass it to my child. I want to be a different parent. I want to evolve. This has nothing to do with you blaming and rejecting and focusing on your parents and the anger that you have. You have to heal that. You must find a place to be at peace with whatever happened in the past, not be okay with it, not be not that you like it but make enough peace with it that you can move forward. We can absolutely have an awareness of how our parents impacted us without blaming them. We can understand why someone's background would cause them to behave the way that they did and not see it as an excuse for allowing harmful behavior into our lives. This is what's called discernment. And this is really important because discernment is absolutely essential in order for us to take the steps forward to heal. And many of our parents whether we know it or not, have experienced chronic stress or traumatic stress. I realized this with my own parents, that they both experienced their own traumas from a young age that were never healed. They never had the space or the opportunity to even talk about it. They were silenced. And so this breaks someone down emotionally and mentally. And that was what I experienced from my parents, two emotionally immature parents who were once naive, young children, young adults who never had a safe space or supportive space to share their feelings. So it's just the pattern that got passed down, but you can be a cycle breaker. The beauty of the brain is that it can change. Even though your brainstem or your fight or flight may be more hyperactive now to this day through awareness tools like meditation and breath work and understanding your nervous system and stimulating your vagus nerve, you can expand your prefrontal cortex. You can build it so that you can respond and react differently when your child is having a meltdown. You can stay calm. You can regulate yourself by your breaths and you can model that to your children. That is the beauty in all this. Nothing is set in stone. And here's the reality of it. Even when you do the healing journey, you may not feel safe around your parents. You may still feel triggered around them, right? You might do all this work, and this happened to me, where you do all this work and you're like, I got this, I can be around them. And then immediately you're around them and you feel like your energy is drained. The tone of their voice is triggering. Certain things that they say just hit you and you're automatically put back into a space where you feel like you're a child. And I want you to know that your brain creates these autopilot patterns where that in the past, when you were a child, this situation felt dangerous. So it immediately put you in fight, flight, or freeze mode. And so when you're with your parents, this gets triggered unconsciously. It happens automatically. It is not about willpower. It's not about 
talking yourself and being positive and thinking your way out of it. This is programmed in your physiology. And it's only through retraining your nervous system that you can heal how you think differently about a situation or you feel differently. You start honoring your boundaries. This feels disaligned. I'm getting pushed to my edge. I need a break. You can walk away. You can say no. You can realize I need to take care of myself first. This is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign that your nervous system is getting dysregulated by the heavy energy of that family member. And this is empowering. This is not because you're not doing enough work or you're not trying hard enough. Your energy system is getting depleted by this person because they're not in a vibrational alignment to you. They're heavy. They might be uh, frantic energy, and this is not aligned with feeling balanced. This is all a red flag and a sign to tell you, step away. It is okay to step away, to take a break to drink water, go outside. You don't have to be in their energy space or their aura space or in the same room with them. So take these as a sign. So how are you going to heal from this? Like I said, yes, therapy is amazing. Talking it out, having a neutral party is very important, especially if you've never had a space like that. But maybe you are in therapy. Maybe you are talking it out and you're like, I still feel stuck. A big component of this is also learning that emotional regulation is tied to your nervous system. Your nervous system needs to be regulated. And I talk about this in the burnout series and I'll quickly go through it so that we're on the same page in case you haven't listened to that burnout series is that our nervous system is made up of the sympathetic nervous system, which activates energy in our system. It is not just when we're in fight, fight, or freak out mode. It's also when it's surge of energy, when we need to work out, when we need to focus, when we need to have a difficult conversation, you might feel a surge of energy before you public speak, or you have an interview, right? That energy that's nervous, like excited. Um, After a workout, you feel buzzing or after dancing, you feel like this buzzing energy. This is a mobilization energy. This is not bad. It is a good energy because how would we get motivated to move or take action or take the steps in alignment that to our passion and our purpose and our life's dharma? We need that energy to feel creative and to do the work that we're meant to do. However, the problem is, is that we have too much of that activation energy and we don't need to know how to shut it off after we've had a stressful moment or after the workout or after we've had a period of 60 to 90 minutes when we focus, we need to shut it down and to take a brain break and to pause and bring our energy back down to a balanced flow state. We don't know how to do that. And what ends up happening is that we stay in this dysregulated hyper state and we get anxious, we get worried, and then we freak out a lot more and we drain our energy. And when we drain our energy, we lead into burnout, into shutting down. We rely on coping habits that give us this false sense of relaxation or this false sense of energy, right? The stimulants and the alcohol and um, pushing ourselves past our limit. So being aware of your emotions is crucial skill because that's what's going to tell you if you are hitting into a dysregulated fight, flight, or freeze state, or if you're in a flow state. So I call this the where the F are you? So I created this for my clients, this window of tolerance or this uh, diagram that shows you that everything is an F state. 
So it's a freak out state where you're in anger, rage, right? And then it's frazzled state or frantic mind state, which you're anxious and you're worried and you're overthinking and you're rushing and you're multitasking. Then you're in a frustrated state. Frustrated is your edge. This is your sign that you're about to go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Okay, the either frazzled, freak out, or fatigue mode. Then there's the flow. This is your most optimal, balanced inner outer connection. You are tied and connected to your intuition. You feel in alignment. You feel inspired. You only take action when you feel called. You are connected into the energy of manifestation. You feel aligned. You are relaxed. There's no tension. Your body feels at ease. Your mind feels at ease. And this is what we're seeking out. But here's the thing. Our nervous system is not always meant to always feel calm. We need those inflections of feeling frustrated, right? And bringing ourselves back into the flow state. And then when you're on the bottom state, it's the effort, disappointed. Disappointed is on the edge of your window. And it's a sign that you're gonna reach fatigue, shutdown, burnout mode, but it's the edge right there, right? So are you on that edge of feeling disappointed, And if you are and you keep going and you feel that low energy, you're going to feel hopeless. You're going to feel shame. You're going to feel guilt. All those feelings that are the low energy vibration feelings. The feelings that you have is going to manipulate and produce the thoughts that you have. If you are in a high vibration state, your thoughts are naturally and automatically going to be positive. If you are in a low vibration state, you're going to think about, I'm not good enough. This sucks. Those victim mentality thinking. And if you were in a frantic state, you're going to think about every worst case scenario. What if this happens? What if that happens? All the things that trigger your fear of uncertainty and the unknown and feeling out of control. You're going to try to grasp on tighter. So why do we get anxious? We try to micromanage and think we can multitask because we're trying to seek this false sense of safety and that we're in control and we're going to, we got this. And we try to control all the balls and really micromanage everything in our life. And a lot of times, why is it that nervousness becomes panic all of a sudden or frustration, annoyance, irritation becomes a freaking out and raging and being really angry and shouting and yelling is because we don't train our vagus nerve to pump the brakes. Our prefrontal cortex is supposed to pump the brakes after a stressful situation. Or if we notice that we're reaching our edge of frustration or disappointment, it's supposed to pump the brakes so that we retain and and come back to our balanced level of state through different self-care tools that I talk a lot about. This is something that I go with uh, each one of my clients to create customized tools for them in their toolbox to help them get off their edge. And so learning how to regulate ourselves is the journey of recognizing I'm on my edge, I'm frustrated or disappointed, and then you use self-regulation or co-regulation tools to come back into your center zone. So at any given point, it's important to check in, are you stressed out or do you feel safe? This is so crucial. When you wake up during transition times, uh, you know, at 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock, just doing these mental check-ins to see if you need some sort of mini resets to regulate yourself. Because this is not just about when you freak out and when you feel frazzled, then you do the tools. It's about recalibrating yourself 
you might be thinking, well, how is regulating my nervous system going to help me be a emotionally mature parent? If you have a dysregulated nervous system, your emotions are going to be dysregulated. You're going to be oscillating between anger and frustration and disappointment and burnout and shame after you have an anger and freak out moment, right? You know those emotions that oscillate up and down. So you want to stay within your zone because then you're building frustration tolerance. You're able to stay patient in that zone. You're able to stay present in this zone. You're able to stay playful in this zone. This is where connection and empathy happens. Your heart is open when you are feeling safe. It cannot be empathetic and open and able to listen when you're in a dysregulated state. Parents can't expect themselves to always be regulated. Like I said, a nervous system is not always going to be calm. We need these spikes of energy and then breaking to then slow our energy down. We slow our breath down. We slow our body down in order to come back to the zone. And this is how we build stress resilience. So parents can't be regulated or attend to their kids all the time, right? We can't always be there for every single situation to co-regulate. But research does show that children will have healthy regulation skills if we use good enough parenting, which means that if we are actively trying to keep ourselves in a co-regulated state and we are gonna mess up when we mess up and we will all mess up. We repair the relationship by acknowledging, admitting, accepting our fault, apologizing to our child, and then coming up with a plan of how we're going to do better next time. We are modeling genuine apology to our children. So connection can only happen with our child when we're in a regulated state. It is impossible to actively listen or to be empathetic. It's our biology. Our biology will shut off when we're in a stress mode because we are activated to attack. So even our child may feel like a threat if there's loud noises or if it's too bright, our sensory system gets overloaded. Now, if you experienced with your parents when they were under stress, if you can think back to a moment where you didn't feel seen or they weren't listening to you or you felt like they were arguing with you and not hearing your point, if you ever grew up feeling not seen, heard, I want you to recognize this. So the vagus nerve is connected from the brainstem all the way down to our gut and it connects into our facial facial muscles, our ears, through our throat, through our heart, through our lungs and our gut. It is impossible to fake regulation. And this is how our kids know. When you're dysregulated, the muscles in our eyes, near our eyes, they freeze. So you know you've ever seen someone can smile but their eyes are like communicating something differently that's what happens and so kids can look at our eyes and it will feel frozen you know we don't look like we are fully present and engaged with them our hearing changes when we're in a stress dysregulated state normally when our heart chakra and our energy system and our nervous system is balanced our heart chakra is open which means that our social, emotional, and engagement systems are open. We are primed for connection. And that means active listening. 
We can hear mid-level tones, which means human voices when we're regulated. When we're in a dysregulated stress state, we can only hear low-level tones. We actually cannot hear other people. Do you ever remember when you're in an argument, do you fully hear what they're saying? Are you just waiting to pounce and be able to make your point, right? You're not fully hearing and listening to them. And so that's because when we're Uh, in a state of fear, we can only hear low level tones, which is a biological function of being able to hear predators and their tiptoes. And so loud sounds and screaming when we're in a stress state will completely dysregulate us because it will be a sign that there's danger, right? That the line is out and we're going to have this surge of energy of pouncing back and attacking back. We attack not with our claws and biting, we attack with our words right? And shouting. That is our form of defense. The other thing is our tone of voice changes. When we're regulated, our tone changes. So it's like when a parent is talking to a baby, there is inflection in the voice. It's like, hi, how are you? Oh my goodness, you're so cute. And when someone is not regulated, their tone is monotone. It's like, can you go get your clothes from the bathroom now versus, hey, do you mind getting your clothes from the bathroom now? Thanks so much, right? You use different words. When we talk about um, the scripts that I share on Instagram about being a mindful parent, that's why I always say regulation is so important because your tone of voice is going to communicate a whole heck of a lot and you can't fake it. You can't fake inflection in your voice uh, if you're dysregulated. So our body language will be more tense and uh, there'll be more constriction. And that's why it's really important to relax our body, to have movement, to be able to have um, energy to flow freely into our body. So what happens when a parent, like our own parents, or we are parents that go through chronic and traumatic stress, how does that affect our emotional maturity? Well, When you've experienced trauma or prolonged stress, it changes our nervous system. So your ability to create nurturing uh, relationships and feel connected to others shifts. You don't fully see, hear, respect, support, validate. You can't fully be there for another person. And so all the things that I shared as far as how we communicate and what we hear changes because you're in a stress state. But also, your nervous system's ability to detect if the environment or a person or a situation is safe or dangerous, it shifts. And we're more likely to stay on high alert until we heal our nervous system. And so we talk a little bit about window of tolerance in the burnout series. Um, and I just want to do a quick little recap in case you haven't listened to those. But the window of tolerance is a term that's coined by Dr. Daniel Siegel in his 1999 book, The Developing Mind. And it refers to this zone of stress resilience and emotional awareness. You see, stress is not bad. The nervous system is designed to handle daily stress and then recover from it. So stress 
can be in our system for 30 minutes max, and it needs to be depleted out in order for us to then return back to our balanced state. Our vagal break needs to be active. So after the stressful situation ends, we're supposed to then recover and release and dump out the stress hormones from our body. All those surging energy that wanted us to take action needs to then be released so that we can come back to that flow balance state. The problem is that when you're in this period of chronic stress or traumatic stress, this gets dysregulated and we no longer come back to our balanced state. We now stay at a dysregulated state and our normal window of tolerance becomes smaller. So that means little, little things will jump us out into freak out, frazzled or frantic mind, and then we'll be much likely to feel fatigue if we're living in that state of survival mode for a long period of time, right? So for many of us, if this oscillation happens for too long, it could actually lead to depression or long-term emotional physical burnout or uh, procrastination in the form of a lack of uh, emotional connection. We feel disconnected to our body, to our life, to our world, and we feel like this flat uh, not alive, but this just like going with the motions type of experience. When we are outside of this healthy window of tolerance, chronic stress and trauma makes us feel unsafe and it triggers an automatic fight or flight response. So this is when we're in hyper arousal. We are restless and we are hyper and this is um, an extreme urge to escape the problem or confront it and attack the other person. And this leads to racing thoughts, feeling restless, being able to sit, not sit still. It affects our mood. It affects our ability to sleep. We become obsessed and compulsive. It can be to a feeling of constantly feeling out of control. It can create chaotic and impulsive anger outbursts of rage. Um, and this is when we are in hyper arousal. We're constantly on and we are constantly feeling on and it's burning our energy system. The opposite is hypoarousal. It's a freeze response. And in this state, it's when we shut down, we feel emotionally disconnected or lethargic. It's a feeling of helplessness or hopelessness. We are outside of the present moment because it feels unsafe. So we're escaping by uh, going into autopilot, sleeping a lot, numbing our uh, emotions by food and by TV. We're zoning out. We feel lack of desire to move. And, um, you know, anytime we feel in a stress mode, we feel like the present moment is not safe. We cannot be present. So we're escaping out, whether it's in our mind or we're escaping out and numbing out by TV or in food. We're just trying to escape whatever we're feeling, um, in, in this moment because it doesn't feel safe. The freeze response locks up tension and energy that has to be released before we can re-enter into our window of tolerance. So this is why we stay stuck in that burnout cycle. So how do we heal and become a more emotionally mature parent is first being emotionally aware, recognizing where you're at. Are you in a regulated state or a dysregulated state? Are you in safe zone or are you in stress zone? And if you're in safe zone, Are you at the edge? Are you feeling frustrated or are you feeling disappointed? Are you just having like a little bit of a 
high hyper arousal and you're feeling nervous and excited, but you're still in the window. Are you feeling a little bit of self-doubt? Are you in the bottom edge of your window? Are you completely dysregulated? Are you freaking out? Are you angry, rageful? Are you frantic or frazzled in your mind? Are you fatigued, burned out? You need to know where you are based on your mood and your energy system. Then we have to focus on increasing our window of tolerance. If you've been in a state of chronic stress, which all of us have, by the way, because of COVID. And if you've experienced being raised by an emotionally immature parent, then you've experienced trauma too. So your window has been narrowed. So now we have to expand that window. The size of our window will depend on how much we're able to tolerate based on the fluctuations in mood, energy, when unexpected things happen, how quickly we can pivot, how resilient and flexible we are mentally and just adapt to the situation. I call the window of tolerance that I can handle it zone. If you're feeling frustrated, can you handle it? I know this is taking more effort than I thought, but I can handle it. I'm feeling disappointed. Things are not going the way that I wanted to, but I can still trust that everything is going to be okay. Can you still be in that energy frame? I'm not saying you deny frustration or you deny excitement or nervousness or disappointment. You are able to recognize it and then adjust and re-regulate yourself into your nervous system where it feels balanced. And that's what I help do in the stress relief coaching practice that I teach all these tools. Even when I'm teaching my meditation a series of four weeks, you can't just meditate when you're in stress mode. There's a right and wrong time to meditate. And if you're feeling restless or if you've tried it and you're like, this is not for me because it's making me feel more anxious, it's because you're meditating at the wrong time and you potentially are not doing the right type of meditation to help your energy get back into the window of tolerance. So there's a science behind the right time and the right meditations to do too. We increase our window of tolerance by practicing mindful resets in the moment every day of recalibrating back into your window of tolerance or I can handle it window. The right meditations to do to bring you back into your I can handle it window. Building social connections, having healthy relationships, learning how to co-regulate with others, asking for help, setting firm boundaries, improving your lifestyle to in ways like healthy nutrition, regular movement and exercise, getting adequate rest, drinking enough water and seeking out mental health support when you need it. Recovering from chronic stress and traumatic stress has nothing to do with willpower or positive thinking your way out of it. It requires a recalibration of the nervous system. This is the only way you are going to become emotionally aware. This is the only way that you're going to become emotionally mature. And the most important thing that we have to be honest about is the ways that we have built coping habits that build a false and fake tolerance. The methods that we use that are the diet soda self-care, that are the self-indulgent activities that we fall prey to to give us a quick fix, to give us temporary relief, to get out of our dysregulated state. Think about when you have an anger rage, when you go black, you have a hangover after it, right? It's kind of like alcohol. You black out when you say all those hurtful things, you have a depletion of energy, and then you have this 
hangover period where you have this intense guilt and shame. It's the same thing with anger. When you're anxious, you're using so much of your very precious energy, overthinking, 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 and it gets to be too much. So you want to numb out. When we're not feeling safe in our body in the present moment, we will escape with distractions into our mind. And this keeps us stuck in the burnout cycle. We become addicted to things that give us a false sense of safety, like social media and gossiping and reading uh, drama-filled tabloid uh, articles, talking to people about other people, right? This is all addictions to help us get out of our reality and into an alternative reality. So what are these habits, these diet soda self-care, because they're not really self-care, uh, that keeps us in a dysregulated state? Like I said, perfection is a big one. Overworking, being uh, busy and constantly doing people-pleasing, overeating, um, watching horror movies and drama television. It makes us feel something, right? When you're in a state of feeling numb and dissociated and shut down, any type of TV, like suspense TV, crime TV, makes us feel alive. It makes us feel, ooh, like... There's something that is keeping us feeling um, like we're in our body and we're escaping at the same time. Um, you know, we know the typical social media TV is something that it's really important to know what our state of mind is when we're consuming information because it's either going to make us feel good about ourselves or bad about ourselves. And so if something is not making you feel good, it's probably because we're in a dysregulated state and we're comparing and we're not feeling good enough. And it's uh, something that we probably should not consume in that moment. Breaking the habits I know is hard. Get rid of these coping skills, but we can do it and we must do it. Because if we don't, we are going to stay stuck in these patterns of traumatic and chronic stress. We're not going to feel safe to relax and to rest and feel balanced. It's hard to feel motivated to exercise or meditate when we're in the state of false, fake tolerance, when we're using stimulants, when we are in a low energy state and we only feel like we need energy drinks and coffee to feel vibrant and alive, to eat spicy foods, to feel alive. These are all fake, false narratives that give us a sense of control, that gives us a sense of safety, that gives us a sense of being able to be alive. We need to nurture and regulate ourselves to be balanced to build our frustration tolerance, to be able to handle situations that don't go our way because our nervous system is designed to be able to handle these everyday uncertainties and unknowns. We can handle it. We just got to train ourselves. And if this is something that you want to learn to do, reach out to me for a coaching call and we will dive deep into stress relief coaching or if you want to know about meditation as a resource. I'm here for you. You can be a cycle breaker. You are not destined to repeat the dysfunctional family patterns that you grew up in. Every generation has the opportunity to heal these patterns. And just because you're raised by an emotionally immature parent, we can break this for our kids. The next episode is all about what it looks like to be an emotionally mature parent. 
If this was not modeled to you, you might be like, I don't know what it means to be an emotionally mature parent. The beauty is, is that when you become emotionally mature, you're going to be emotionally mature in every relationship, not just the parent-child relationship. So that's what we're going to dive into. So you can be very crystal clear of what you're working towards, what you're healing towards, and who you're evolving to become the best version of yourself. What does that look like? And you can make it possible as you heal your nervous system. I hope this inspires you. I hope you share this with all the women and parents that you love, that you know have experienced emotionally immature parents in their life and who want to be cycle breakers, the trailblazers, the pioneers who make a change, share this with them. Thank you so much for tuning in, sending you love and blessings always. Bye guys. If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven-day stress detox course. All you got to do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, fresh, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, IndieBound, BAM. And you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner and learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.